Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joseph Armacost, how are you on this uh, Memorial Day? I'm a very busy boy, Dan. Yeah, you just got out of work. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Joe didn't get a yeah. day off today. Joe's always Go. working. God bless him. Well, so are you, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, you know yeah. what, though? I, I'll tell you, I mean, I don't really consider this work. I said to... um. Yeah. Uh, my wife, I, I consider the NRA TV show work, and I don't mean that in a negative. Like I don't like doing it; I love doing it. Right. But it's it's video. Um, I'm still kind of new to video, and although the show's been mm-hmm. kicking butt and we've been rocking it, I'm still kind of working my way through it. And a lot of it is, you know, production stuff and and kind of mm-hmm. busy work. But this we've been at for over three years. You and I. I mean, we've got this thing down yeah, to a science, yeah. and I enjoy it. I love the audience. I love the feedback. Um, I love the relationship. But you know, me and you have, and me and you have with the audience. I mean, people really enjoy yeah. the show. And uh, you know, today's Memorial Day. We didn't tape this yesterday. Sometimes on holidays, we'll do that. We'll tape a show in advance. But this is uh, no, it is ten o'clock in the morning Eastern Time on Memorial yep. Day. And uh, I wish everyone a grateful uh, Memorial Day. I understand when people say you know Happy Memorial Day. It's not what they mean. Some people take that, mm-hmm. uh, but. Uh, they take it offensively because it's such a such a solemn holiday. But I, that's, I don't think that's what they mean. Um, I think that they're happy that these you know we live in a country where amazing American patriots have given their lives, uh, their their flesh, their bodies, everything, and their families as well have given up nearly everything for our liberty and freedom. Um, but I, I prefer uh, have a grateful Memorial Day. I mean, really, if you just spend a few moments today thinking about the incredible sacrifices and. Um, you know, I think back to my uncle, if uh, you'll allow me a moment, you know, Gregory Ambrose uh, on that wall in Vietnam, who was uh, shot in the back while trying to save his buddies uh, south of Thu Duc, Vietnam, and was given the Bronze Star with a V cluster for his valor. Uh, he's just an amazing, amazing person. I've never, I never met him. I I've heard so much about him from my family, but I remember for all of those American patriots out there, patriotic families who have lost people in combat so that we can live in this wonderful country at this wonderful time, you know, just remember, you know, they've given up absolutely everything, everything. And I think back to my family and I think a lot of you would feel the same way who have, have uh, lost people that when my grandmother, I was obviously her son. It was my uncle, Gregory Ambrose, Mm -hmm. that with, with him, Joe, we used to own a bar in, in Glendale, uh, Glendale, Queens in New York called Gibby's Bar. Mm-hmm. My grandfather's nickname was Gibby. And uh, he owned this bar. And my uncle was supposed to come home. And obviously there was no social media or email back then. If you were to get a notification of a death right. in combat, they showed up themselves. So my grandfather is in the bar. And the way my mother tells tells the story that uh, these, that these two uh, army officers come for the notification and my grandmother's in the back room, uh, and we had lived upstairs, the bar, the family had lived upstairs, which I wound up living mm-hmm. in later, the apartment. And my grandfather told uh, the two guys, hey, you know, with all due respect, you're not going up there. Because he knew right away. And they had all the signs up, Joe. Welcome home. They were ready for him. It was He was supposed to be coming back. Welcome home, Greg. Matter of fact, my, my family still has the drawings that people from the bar made. Uh, of him in uniform saying, welcome home, Greg. Thanks for, Man. and these two uh, army officers show up to give the notification that, that he was killed. And, you know, my grandfather, who was a big guy said, no, I'm sorry. You, you can't do that. I'll do it. And uh, that was it. I mean, my grandmother's life was never the same. And I think to all those families that have lost men and women in combat, that your lives, your lives are demarcated by that point. For, uh, for my family, it was pre Greg, and post Greg, after mm. Greg died, nothing was the same. Nothing. My grandmother was never the same. She, you know, she died still with those wounds. That never, you could never bring up Greg around her. It was always, um, although he died a hero, an American hero, Gregory Ambrose. I can't say that name enough. Gregory Ambrose. Although he died a hero, it was understood that you just didn't bring up the conversation ever um, around my grandmother. Ever. She couldn't handle it. She just, it was devastating to her. And uh, that's why it means so much to me and to all of those patriotic Americans out there. So a heartfelt thank you to the families of the fallen. You are uh, the best of us. Thank you for your sacrifice. 
Um, all right. There was a lot going on. I was going to do a rough cuts, folks, but there's, there's so much um, going on. I have some <laughs> serious information to cover. I yeah. may get to some other stuff, but uh, uh, really, this was an incredibly busy news weekend. Uh, whether yeah. Tommy Robinson in the United Kingdom, if you haven't heard this story, get ready to be just totally kneecapped and swept off your feet. And I don't mean that in a good way. I'm not talking about falling in love swept off your feet. I'm talking about like, you're not going to believe this is actually happening in the United Kingdom. What happened over there? If you know the story, you know where we're going with this one. Also, Publix, you don't know the story. Do you, you know, oh, no, you wait till you hear this it, one. Yeah, yeah you're, you're, this, you're not going to, you're going to, I wanted to make sure I put credible links in the show notes today to this. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm not trying to tease this to death, folks. I just can't emphasize to you enough how we are living in a, a, right now. There are de facto components of the police state already in effect. I'm not suggesting we're living in a full blown tyranny. I don't want to be hyperbolic or ridiculous, mm-hmm. but I am telling you that components of tyrannical regimes exist right now. Spying, speech suppression, freedom of the press, all gone. And uh, I'm going to get into that Tommy Robinson case. Something happened at Publix, a grocery grocery chain down here in Florida, too. Okay, today's show brought to you by buddies at Filter Buy. We always appreciate our sponsors sponsoring the show. means a lot to us, folks. Uh, and based on what I'm talking, I'm going to get into today about the economic war and the culture war going on against the rest of us. It's so important um, that you know we support companies that support us. So I deeply appreciate it. It means a lot. Um, it's spring cleaning time. And like Trump is cleaning up corrupt officials, you can clean up the air you breathe and make your HVAC system great again. And folks, don't procrastinate. Otherwise, dust, mold, and pollutants will clog up your system. It'll become inefficient and end up costing you a lot of money. Clean up your HVAC system with my friends at FilterBuy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for both homes and small businesses. That's important. You have 100 filters in a small business, one in your house. This is your company. They carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all shipped free within 24 hours. Plus, they're manufactured right here in America. Filter Buy offers a multitude of MERV options all the way up to hospital grade, so you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy-aggravating pollution while maximizing the efficiency of your system. Yeah, baby, yeah, Joe's language, right? Yeah. Yeah, Joe, you always laugh when you do that. Right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery, so you'll never need to think about air filters again. Save money, save time, breathe better with our friends at FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com. FilterBuy.com. Go check them out. Okay, so what happened with this Tommy Robinson story? Yeah. I don't know this guy. I, I, you know, candidly, I've never heard of him before in my life. Um, I don't know much about him. I, I, all I know is he's some kind of an activist over in the United Kingdom who's had some brushes with the law at some point. Now, regardless of your feelings about Tommy Robinson or and and I'm I'm when I don't know enough about someone, I'm that's why I'm refraining from comment right. because I don't have the full background. But I do know what happened. Okay. He was outside of a uh, a court in the United Kingdom, Joe, and he was filming these uh there was a, a a pedophile ring in a largely Muslim neighborhood in the United Kingdom where they were grooming young girls for for sex it was a really disturbing troubling case mm-hmm. now these men have been uh, are being prosecuted and were arrested so this guy tommy robinson shows up outside and starts filming these men in a public area it's not private joe he's arrested for get a load of this for breach of the peace what but yeah well everyone else apparently at the scene was kind of surprised as well he's arrested for breach of the peace now keep in mind you know liberals again ordinarily civil rights advocates and things like that yeah. are, are, are unbelievably quiet about this not only that joe it gets worse the judge in the case uh orders a press blackout now if you think i'm making this up google it and you'll see um cernovich and other, some others had put up some videos of what it was like to Google this. And apparently some articles have been deleted by press outlets that already had written about this case. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is some frightening stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, bad enough. We're in an era where spying on your political opponents is being not only sanctioned, but championed by those on the left. The new, the the modern liberal now um, hates Trump so much. They're actually, and I'm going to get in a minute to uh, the spy controversy as well. What's going on with that? But they are now actively celebrating the spying on of political opponents. They're now celebrating this case as well because this Tommy Robinson, apparently his politics are on the right side of the aisle. 
There is the judge ordered a press blackout of coverage in this case. I'm not making this up. I will put a link in the show notes to a Fox News article. You can read yourself. Is I mean, it's just amazing what's going on right here. The media are deleting articles, not about this pedophile ring. Right. They're deleting articles about this guy covering it. I just astonishing stuff. The culture wars, Joe, have been ratcheted up a notch significantly. Yeah. Second story. Publix. I I, I cannot be more disappointed in what happened with Publix. Publix, what is Publix? For those of you who don't live down here, Publix is, uh, it's like this, you know, it's it's a grocery chain, Joe. It's uh, yeah. the equivalent of like the Safeway or the Giant up by you. It's a pretty... Uh, Pretty large grocery chain down here in Florida. Publix, it ends in an X, not Publix with a CS. P-U-B-L-I-X. I was a pretty regular shopper at Publix, and I have to tell you, I'm pretty limited in where I can go. But uh, I told my wife, um, no more. We're going to be on a bit of a Publix hiatus for a little while. Now, what happened? Yeah. There is a group of anti-gun uh, protesters out there who objected to... This is astonishing again and it's uh, it, it, I, I mean it's, i i can't believe i i i'm having a hard time believing the country we live in right now how easily big companies are pressured into making unbelievably poor decisions publics can decide to do with its money joe whatever it wants to do with public's money it is it is a it's a company it is a company that operates in a free marketplace they should not be told uh by by left-leaning anti-gun advocates what to do with his money so they made a donation to a gubernatorial candidate down here in florida adam putnam who i'm not even supporting by the way he's a republican but he apparently from what i know he's a pretty decent conservative um but I'm supporting Ron DeSantis, his opponent. I have been. I, you know, I don't formally endorse anyone anymore, but I think Ron's a good guy. But what happened with Publix and Putnam is is horrifying. Publix made a donation to Adam Putnam's gubernatorial campaign, and this left-leaning anti-gun uh, group comes out and they decide they're going to start doing a die-in to protest Putnam because Putnam is basically because he's a Republican. That's really it. They're saying it's because he had uh, he he is, was supported by the NRA. Listen, this has become right now it's clear economic warfare against political opponents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Publix, which caters to a largely conservative Florida audience, I'd say. folks. Yeah. I mean, this is a. I I I had assumed they were going to just do the right thing and say, listen, we appreciate, and I certainly do too. Your right to protest, even though it was private property, publics publics actually, Joe, on their own property, allowed this group. And I'm not using names for. I'm not making celebrities. Uh, okay, out of uh, anybody, I'm just sticking with the facts in this. Okay, they allowed this group to protest in their stores. In their stores, this is private property. Yeah. Now, listen, I am a big defender of big R rights to protest. And if you're a company and want to let some, you know, you want to do the right thing and say, hey, protest in my store or, or, or what they think is the right thing, that's fine. Let them do it. But I am astonished that Publix caved. Publix caved and said, okay, they've now forfeited their right to do with as they wish with their money and their uh, pro business. And by the way, they were not donating to Putnam, the gubernatorial candidate, Joe. To for however much I support the Second Amendment, and I do, mm-hmm. they were donating to Putnam because they believe in a pro business business atmosphere. Uh, unsurprising to anyone involved in business that a business would support pro business a pro business pro business excuse me atmosphere, right? Right. This had nothing to do with firearms at all. But the anti gun group does this die in in the store. It gets a little bit of local media attention, some that, but not a big deal. Matter of fact, there's a picture on the internet of shoppers shopping like right around these kids. They do this die-in on the floor, and the shoppers are just doing their thing. It wasn't a, a you know that that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But Publix, I'm in a a a, a Benihana in Sewell's Point down here in Florida, and I I pull up my phone. And I read that Publix caved and has now agreed that they're not going to do any more political donations in response to this anti-gun group. Folks, it is. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty much, uh, you know, I, I'm done. But my wife is is a little um, she feels a little differently about the issue, not not the, the gun portion of it. But she feels like, you know, they they maybe they were they were victims in this, too. Uh, folks, 
listen, I have nothing against Publix, and I'm, I'm certainly not looking to make a big Publix think about this, but you have to stand up, and I'm sorry, but you're just setting a precedent for the future for now other companies who do who've done absolutely nothing wrong to be targeted by you know economic warfare by people on the left who have an agenda and that agenda is to cut off uh, any republican politician from the ability to uh you know receive uh a support or campaign uh, funds from anyone who is pro business or anything else there's a clear agenda here um and it's deeply upsetting that public's cape so I'm taking a bit of a hiatus from Publix. I am not going in there. I'm sorry. I got an email from a guy this weekend because I tweeted about it. Mm. He said, listen, I work there. We're a conservative company and you know, I wish you wouldn't do this. And I understand that and I don't want to hurt anybody and I'm not certainly not looking to you know, hurt anybody's business. I'm just telling you that I'm deeply, deeply disappointed. This was a huge mistake. This was a catastrophic misjudgment. And uh, you, you know, Joe, I've said to you repeatedly, mm-hmm. You have to remember, you know, and the public seems to have forgotten this. Liberals forget. Liberals are not conditioned for the long fight. They're not. Liberals have been have grown up in victimology. They've grown up in snowflakedom. They've grown up with safe spaces. They've grown up with, you know, cuddly bears and cupcakes and color forms. This really happens. Like they put this stuff in their safe spaces to prevent them from having to ever address any kind of ideological conflict whatsoever. They are not conditioned for the fight. They are nothing but sheep, okay? They are not conditioned for this fight. We are, and I'm absolutely sure of it because I was in the gym this weekend, and in there I spoke to a number of people who are absolutely furious at what Publix did, and I'm telling you right now, they will never forget. Mm -hmm. Publix just buried its corporate image, a company that had a great image, and they did it to to cater to a left-wing anti-gun group when they could have just said, hey, protest, protest in our stores. We're not going to do anything about it. We're not going to enforce this law against it. Do your thing. But we are going to retain our right to support whatever politicians and causes we want. Thank you very much. Okay, yeah. They didn't do it. The culture wars have been dialed up a notch, folks, and it's really, really frightening stuff. Um, I'm going to get into that a little bit, too. Uh, let me see here. Hold on a second to check something. All right. Okay. Uh, before we do it, let me let me add. Uh, we got to pay for the show today. Sorry. I'm not, not that I'm out of it at all. I just, I'm, can I just be honest with you, folks? Not like you're going to answer back. I will. Please be honest with us, Dan. Yeah. There you go. I, could you? Joe, you've known me a long time now, over five years. Almost. Yeah. But can you sense the hesitancy in my voice talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm going, it's, what the? Yeah, there's something wrong. Yeah. I know. There's something. It's not, I'm not, I feel great. I slept great I, last night. I, I we, got up early for Fox and Friends. Talk. I feel You're good. Bright eyed and yeah, Bushadale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, and you know when on. I'm tired. Yeah. You can see me on the, on the video connection. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm bothered by it because I I get it. This left there's a reason I'm not using names and there's a reason I'm not getting specific about who this this group is. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be cryptic and I can tell you right now it's not out of any sense of fear for me at all. I've told you that if these left-wing groups target us that that's their choice to do that, I will move to we're fine. I will move to a subscription-based or a Patreon or some other base. Uh, that's okay. That's their choice to do that, right? Mm-hmm. You can target us as you want. My fear is that other companies and other places aren't talking about this because we live in a fear society and social media is being used to spread that fear. And the social media environment has been used to to frighten people, to let them know you're next if you even speak out. And what all it takes is one or two companies to stand up and to say, not today, we are not going to be bullied into submission here. We are going to stand up for our right to do what we want to do with our money on our time based on our business interests. And this would all stop. And it doesn't because people are afraid. And I'm hesitant to talk about it because I I don't want to put other people on the spot. And I know Publix and I feel bad for them. This was a great Florida company. But folks, it has to stop. Somebody has to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? We have done nothing wrong. 
We're supporting business interests that are going to support our business, our pricing model, the maintenance of our jobs, our, 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 our financial infrastructure within the state of Florida. And we are not going to be bullied by, by protesters who do not have our interests in mind or the people uh, or the people who are involved in our company. And they won't. They won't stand up. It's, it's a shame, folks. It really is. It's, it's sad that good people have to suffer. But I'm going to make my own point on this, and I'm taking a bit of a break uh, from Publix for a while. So I'm sorry, Publix. Your sandwiches are great, but you really, really let me and a lot of people down. You could have taken a stand here, and you didn't. Oh, boy. Tough topic to address. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, today's show also brought to you by our buddies today at Wink. You know, listen, um, I didn't know much about wine. So my wife and I would go into the wine store. And we would have a tough time picking out wine because we didn't know much about it. I mean, I did, I'm, I'm not a what is this, sommelier or anything. I didn't know much about it. I mean, I, I drank I, once in a while. We'd have some some uh, a wine, a glass of wine on Friday or Saturday. And I had a general idea what tasted good, but I didn't know much about it. And I certainly didn't know what my uh, what my preferences would be. So Wink solves all those problems. with uh, That's W-I-N-C, by the way. With online ordering, quick shipping, and personalized recommendations. That's important. The only way Wink could make discovering wine you love easier is if they drank it for you. Again, I always had a tough time. My wife and I would go in the wine store, and you know they're busy, they're behind the counter, they don't have time to deal with you. Wink solves your problems. Let me give you a task. Pick out a wine you're going to love, but there's a catch. It has to be one you haven't had before. Where would you even start? Well, that's where Wink comes in, spelled W-I-N-C. Wink makes it easy to discover great wine because Wink's wine experts select wines matched to your taste, personalized for you, and shipped right to your door, starting at just $13 a bottle. There's nothing like coming home to a box of delicious Wink wine selected just for you. It's the best day of your month. Just fill out Wink's palate profile quiz. Answer simple questions that your average store clerk wouldn't ask or translate into a solid recommendation of wine for you. Questions like, how do you take your coffee? How do you feel about blueberries? Uh-huh. Then Wink sends you wines curated to your, your taste. The more wines you rate, the more personalized your monthly selections. I was telling my neighbor about this yesterday. Each month, there are new delicious wines, like the insanely popular Summer Water Rosé. No membership fees, skip any month, cancel any time. Shipping is covered, and if you don't like a bottle they send you, it's important. They'll replace it with a bottle you'll love. No questions asked. Discover great wine today. Go to trywink.com slash Dan, and you'll get $20 off your first shipment. Wow. Trywink, that's T-R-Y, trywink, W-I-N-C, T-R-Y-W-I-N-C.com, trywink.com slash Dan for $20 off, trywink.com slash Dan. Wink. Don't, uh, don't miss out. It's a great opportunity here. Wink, wink, wink. So, yeah. Great piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, this weekend, Joe, um, about the culture wars. This is why I brought up and I started the show with Tommy Robinson, uh, by the way, in Publix. I I don't do things randomly. The culture wars are picking up. I had said to you last week that when you have to understand what's going on right now, we have three separate conflicts going on uh, within this ideological arena. We have the political conflict, which is basically voting, getting people who subscribe to your liberty-based ideology elected into office. For Democrats, it's getting people uh, aligned with your big state uh, you know, non-individual, big state ideology locked into office. You have the culture wars. Right, right. You have wars going on in Hollywood. You have these ideological wars going on in music where where liberals are fighting to marginalize anyone who doesn't agree with their big government statist agenda. You also have economic wars, like right. we saw this weekend with Publix, where you have these left-wing groups waging economic you know, boycott wars against companies that have done absolutely nothing wrong. Nothing. They're doing it because they are not, in fact, statist and big government liberals. So there was a great piece in the Wall Street Journal this weekend, which it was a subscription-only piece, but I'm going to summarize some of the main points for you because it was a fascinating take on the, uh, the origins, Joe. Of the culture war. All right. The culture war, the term, by the way, was created by a guy named James Hunter. Um, And it was really taken into the mainstream by Pat Buchanan when he ran for president. But Hunter had a, they did an interview with him in the Wall Street Journal, and he had some amazing takes on this. Um, One of the things I wanted to just address before we get to it is how the culture war, this, the piece doesn't hit this, but I want to, I want to hit this because it's critical. The culture wars are not new. I mean, this has been going on for a long time. You know, the 80s and 90s, they really hit the peak. 
But the culture war, I think, is really gone. It, it's it's become more pronounced and it's become more grave and more almost Manichaean, like, oh, you know, evil versus good life or death to everybody. But I think because of the president's uh, presence of social media, 24 hour cable news and electronic uh, email, email where you can get information immediately. Mm-hmm. Think about it, Joe. Mm-hmm. A local fight, let's say the Kentucky fight, right, over the Kentucky court clerk who wouldn't sign gay marriage yeah. certificates. Mm-hmm. That fight, you know, in the Walter Cronkite, maybe 1960s, 70s era, if that, did, if that didn't make the nightly news, folks, I'll be honest with you, it didn't happen nationally. There now, what happened in Kentucky, it would be a big issue in, in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It'd be huge. It'd be all over, it'd be front page news. It may be reg- it may be regional news as the story spreads, but the chances of you finding out about it, unless someone called you on the phone or sent you a letter, were slim. Yeah. Those fights were regional and sometimes local. The reason these fights to us now appear and have become so much more grave is because every local fight becomes national. Think about the fight over sanctuary cities, mm-hmm. Joe. I live in uh, in Martin County, Florida. This is not a sanctuary county. I don't. I live in Palm City. It is not a sanctuary uh, city. It's not. But the fight to you, you know, whereas in the '60s, if it wasn't a sanctuary city fight about Palm City, Florida, you didn't know about it. If it didn't make the nightly news, what was happening in Sacramento or San Diego was irrelevant. Why would you know about it? You know about it now because everybody's on Twitter, everybody's on Facebook, everybody gets emails. Those emails, they subscribe to politicians' email lists. Like, look what's happening in California. They're coming for you next. Mm -hmm. All of these fights have become national. And it's created a national groundswell of people aligned with the same collective interest, fighting for, uh, you know, uh, uh, process oriented legal immigration, fighting for open borders. This may have very little to do with you in your local area, but you've adopted the fight because social media and cable news have have. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it is that it has plus and minuses for each side. The minuses, obviously, Joe are that liberals are using this this medium to spread fear. Yeah. Liberals are using this um the the social media and email to spread fear. So they're using protests, protests of, of companies that have done nothing wrong to do what, Joe? Not just to protest that company, but to send a message right. to other companies that if you don't align with our agenda and if you dare donate to a Republican, this you're next. So these fights do become national. Publix is largely a Florida grocery chain. You don't think other grocery chains now aren't seeing what's going on? Again, if this happened in the 60s and Cronkite didn't cover it, it didn't happen. It happened in Florida. Everybody else ignored it. Now you have a largely conservative state, Florida. It's not as swingy as people make it out to be. Believe me, outside of uh, uh, you know Broward and Miami-Dade, the state is pretty darn conservative, okay? You have these fights that even in conservative states, you have conservative companies caving to liberal demands. And that they're using this uh, social media uh, and email and 24-hour cable news as a warning device, as almost a, a liberal emergency alert system to alert others that we're coming for you next. That's the downside to this. The upshot to this is conservatives are becoming more and more aware to a culture war that was allowed to succeed precisely because of the lack of social media and email notification. Think about what I'm telling you. It's very important you understand this. The piece in the Wall Street Journal covers how, not what do you want to call it, high society, Joe? Mm Mm-hmm. What we now associate with liberal elites, right? Hollywood, academics, oh, yeah, yeah. the hoity-toity crowd, right? Oh, yeah. so, the yeah. cultural liberal limousine elitist. Yeah. Joe, 50, 60 years ago, maybe a little longer, that high society was... The- <laughs> you got to see Joe's face. This would be great on a ditto cam, right? <laughs> the high society was dominated by, uh, by Protestants who were largely socially conservative. Yeah. You were considered an outcast if you were not a social conservative. The way that changed over time was liberals slowly, slowly taking over cultural institutions, uh, inserting themselves into academia and on a mass scale, 
spreading and indoctrinating people into far-left ideology, and slowly but surely, conservatives were left flat-footed because they didn't see what was going on. Because there was no social media and email. Uh Nobody knew. A lot of these fights were just local. Mm -hmm. One college at a time, where people on college campuses who may have subscribed to conservative values in the past weren't prepared for the fight that was coming. Now, with social media, email lists, and 24-hour cable news, we can, t- we can see what's going on in the incubators of progressive policy before they get to your state, and we're becoming more and more prepared, you say. That's why I'm not as depressed as a lot of other conservatives. And I say that because in the piece, in the piece of the Wall Street Journal I'm talking about, where they interview um, James Hunter, James Davison Hunter, who invented this term, the culture wars, one, uh, there's a liberal who's anonymous in the peace show says something deeply, deeply disturbing. That should scare all of you listening to this. The liberals see the culture wars is over. Whoa. The guy quotes, yeah, the guy, or maybe a woman, I'm not really? sure, but the guy in the peace, yep, Joe, the, the quote is this. It's strictly a mop-up operation now. In other words, we've won. If you were a conservative, you will not be welcome in polite society anymore. Not in academia, not in Hollywood, not in music, nowhere. Uh, why did Trump win? Yeah, I, that, that, exactly. I was, you beat me to the, you, you stole my thumbs. I'm sorry, Daniel. No, I'm just messing with you. No, no, that was great. That's why I, we did not plan this before the show. No. I didn't even tell Joe I was going to talk about it. No, that's a great point. And you affirm that, uh, what I'm saying here. Yeah. That they, remember what I told you? What is it? The Roman poet, an enemy is not vanquished until he considers himself so. Like that, yeah. Liberals assumed we considered ourselves vanquished. We didn't. The Trump revolution was a, a breakout moment and a big no thank you to liberal elitism and a culture war that the left considered over and won. And to quote this guy, a strictly a mop up operation here. It is not over. Matter of fact, conservatives through social media, Fox News, podcasts like this, like Ben Shapiro, like other places out there. Um, you know, we uh, you have the Hannity show, Levin show, Limbaugh, all these shows now. And, and through the spreading of the message on social media and email lists and others, conservatives are finally starting to understand that this is a national fight. These are not regional local fights. Now, going back to what I said before, the incubators in the past used to be California, New York, Maryland, Illinois. Uh, Massachusetts and you know some other left-leaning states. Incubators. What they would do, Joe, you and I lived in Maryland. Mm-hmm. You know how it works. In a far-left state, they will test out a policy to see how it goes. Men in the women's room, um, you know, illegal immigrants getting free college education or subsidized college education, free, maybe subsidized state-rate college education. Yeah. They will try it out. When it passes there... What happens? It moves into like moderate purple states. Then all of a sudden you have conservative states folding, being like, well, everyone else is doing it, so we need to do it too. And mm-hmm. we're going to look like xenophobes or istophobic, phobophobic, phobophobes, racist, misogynist. Look, everyone else is doing it. What's wrong with you guys? That's the essence of the culture war, the marginalization of people who don't agree with you. In other words, painting them is not normal. How do you paint people as not normal, Joe? By showing people what, Joe, air quotes, normal is. And normal is, hey, Joe, 35 states have passed subsidized tuition for illegal immigrants. If you don't do it, you're a bunch of racists. Hat tip, Tom Moore. I haven't said that in a while. God rest the man's soul. A veteran, by the way, as well, Tom Moore. So he was a host at Joe's Station. But he used to say that all the time. That's how they do it. Follow the model. Go to a blue state. Pass some radical policy. I think we should let men in the women's room. I think we should allow uh, people here illegally to get subsidized state tuition or from anywhere. So everyone anywhere in the world should enter the country illegally and taxpayers should fund their education. That seems crazy, but it'll pass in a blue state. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, the pressure campaign, because the left always acts collectively. They'll say, hey, it passed in Maryland. I think it should pass in, let's say, call it a purple state, Virginia, which is really blue now, sadly. I wish it weren't. But then Virginia will say, well, look what they're doing in Maryland. We need to do this, too. Well, we're, you don't want to be racist, xenophobes. Then all of a sudden, you get a you know, critical mass of states, 26, 27 states pass this. And next thing you know, even in states like Florida, they're like, what, well, we got to do it, too. Now what's happening is the advent of social media 
Again, emailing this, the 24-hour cable news. Conservatives are starting to fight these fights in the blue ecosystem. We may not be winning all of them, but we're fighting back. You need an exa- You may say, oh, Dan, that's not right. Is it? Are you sure? Folks, what's happening in California right now? Where there's a rebellion in these uh, municipalities against sanctuary city status or state, oh, excuse me, state status. Yeah. Where municipalities in California are saying, no, no, we're not doing that sanctuary state stuff. No, thanks. What are you going to do? It's already happening. So uh, on, a, on, a, on a solemn holiday, Memorial Day, I don't want to leave you, though, with a bad, macabre feeling. I'm telling you that, yes, there is a downside mm-hmm. to the use of social media to spread fear. There's a huge downside. The downside is companies become scared because they see things going on, regionally speaking, and they're afraid it's going to happen to them. The upshot is conservatives are waking up and learning how to act collectively themselves. As I wrote here, the left, I took some notes on this. The left is using it to spread fear. We are responding by spreading awareness. Awareness that was not there in the past. Outside of the hardcore activist community, 30, 40 years ago, you got very little news about what was going on outside your state if it didn't directly impact you. Now we're starting to see it. Just because it's happening in a blue state, you know, green power plant rules, far left radical minimum wage stuff. Let's $40 an hour minimum wage. All right, being hyperbolic, but you get now all of a sudden we're saying, no, 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 we better fight that there because the left will come for us next. Now, in the piece, this guy Hunter, who is uh, associated with the culture war, said something. This is a great quote here. Our identity is formed not only by our affirmations, but by our negations. That was a great line. And I've, I've, I've been a big proponent of this in the past. The left, in other words, it's not just what we believe in, Joe, that defines us. Mm-hmm. It's what we fight against. Mm, okay. Now, viewing this from the eyes of the left... Hunter says in the piece, the complete discrediting of communism due to the fall of the Soviet Union, the left, that was their fight. The left, they were the, the far left, we're talking about. they were the communists, they are the socialists. This, they were, I mean, the New York Times, they were the, you know, strong advocates for Soviet collectivism. Mm-hmm. They were propagandists. Well, they still are today, but they were back then. For the when the Soviets for the Soviets when the Soviet Union collapsed, because that's what socialism always does, and communism collapses and starves its people to death. The economy cannot be run by statists. Statists who have no expertise in any of that arena, they will eventually use force, start to kill off their population. The population starves, the economy starves, and eventually the system collapses. When it did, the left needed both a new advocate and a new enemy. Because you're, you're not only defined by what you believe in, it's what you're fighting against. You know, Luke Skywalker is defined as much by Darth Vader as he is by Luke Skywalker, right? Yeah, Who yeah. the enemy is. The left had the enemy. You know, the enemy was free market economics. The complete discrediting of socialism and communism left only a fringe movement able to openly support socialism. Now, it's starting to make a comeback with Bernie Sanders. But you were considered in 1984 and on a complete kook if you still believe communism worked. All right. They needed a new fight. So he says, again, identity is formed not only by our affirmations, but by our negations. So I put underneath that the left. They needed a new enemy. And they found it in the culture wars. Now, they found it in the environmental fight as well. That's why they called them um, watermelons. These, these uh, you know, red on the inside, green, green on, on the, the outside. outside, the new green activists, right? That's, that was the, some of the term people would use to people who were communists who then became environmentalists. But the left needed a new enemy. And he brings up a couple of fascinating examples of how the culture wars, because it's not as easy a fight, Joe, when, you know, socialism versus capitalism is a, is a pretty easy fight to define. Mm. When you're a leftist, you believe, you know, you're fighting the man and greed, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to fight the man in greed. Well, Milton Friedman elegantly said, but what are you saying? Like bureaucrats in the Soviet system weren't greedy? I don't get it. Well, when that fight went away, the culture wars are a little harder to define for them. It was a harder fight to define in simple black and white terms. How it took off, though, is interesting. Here's Hunter's theory here. That it was seeded by mass prosperity and higher education. This is a great point that, a matter of fact, Joseph Schumpeter uh, in uh, in uh 
in, in his books brings this point up himself. That the culture war fight show and the recruiting of new leftist soldiers in the culture wars mm-hmm. was seeded by mass prosperity and higher education. What does he mean by that? Higher education uh, post-World War II as, and post-Vietnam, where people started to, in mass, filter into the higher education system. We're talking about the university and college system here. Those were those degrees uh, were not were not necessary. They were nice to have, mm-hmm. but they were not necessary for a good, healthy middle-class job in the 60s and even portions of the 70s. Right. Really, it's the 70s on, Joe, where the college degree becomes the new high school diploma and they become essentially credentialing institutions for your ticket into high society mm-hmm. or or even upper middle-class society. Yeah, maybe high society is a little dramatic. If you want a ticket into the middle class or upper middle class, you had to go to a credentialing institution in college. That was not the case, you know, pre-1970s. You could get a good, solid paying job and a nice home in a middle class neighborhood working out of high school with a decent manual labor career. The evolution of our economy empowered the credentialing institutions, the colleges, That credential was necessary for your ticket into the upper middle class, which flushed people into the system, the college system, that maybe didn't want to go there, but felt that they had to, to support themselves and their families. Maybe they wanted to do something different. Well, what also happened to the higher education institutions post-1960s? Again, the liberals slowly but surely, because of a lack of awareness by 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 rank and file conservatives because we had no way to spread the information and collectively act against it by withholding donations from colleges because they were doing this. We were largely, and I'm not talking about conservative activists and even, you know, really wired in voters. They saw this coming for a while, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't. Leftists inserted themselves into, took over into the colleges. They took the colleges over. So they had, we had this kind of double gut punch at the same time. We had massive numbers of young people moving into the credentialing institutions to get that credential to become middle class because they needed it now, whereas they didn't need it in the past. Mm -hmm. And you had leftists inserting themselves and essentially indoctrinating this influx of new people, creating a bunch of foot soldiers, indoctrinated foot soldiers into the leftist movement, which were going to fight the culture wars for them. Ah, crap. That's right. Four years, four years to indoctrinate and train people into this new fight. The old fight, socialism versus free markets. The new fight was going to be Judeo-Christian work ethic, conservative values versus, hey, man, free sex, free love. Everything's relative. The state's state's your new God, Mm -hmm. small g. Make sense? Yeah. That's a harder fight to explain, Joe, because you have to unindoctrinate people first. Yeah. I'm sorry if this show is a little complicated, but you can be a socialist. Well, I don't want to say this the wrong way. I got to be crystal clear on this. I have to be very precise in my words. There are people who are Christians who are just misguided, who are socialists, but, and I mean this, are not, they, they're, this is going to sound bad, but please hear me out. They're socialists for the right reasons. They just don't know it. They don't understand it. In other words, they really do believe that greed hurts people, that we should take care of the poor. I get that, yeah, totally. I know what you mean. There's a, a large swath of people on the left, not the radical, a radical left or a lost cause. I'm talking about Democrats, who I get it. They just don't have enough of an understanding of economics, Joe, third-party payer systems, um, you know, government mismanagement and yeah. the faults of planning to understand that what they're recommending is actually a poison, not a cure. Right. They say, I'm a good person. I believe the poor should be taken care of. Therefore, we should empower the government to take care of the poor. I get it. I understand. I can walk a mile in your shoes and understand why some people who don't understand basic economics would believe that, okay? So what I'm trying to tell you is that socialist versus capitalist fight was an easy one to make without having to unindoctrinate people first because they would use the guise of moral values to advance that cause. They would say, Joe, how can you be a Christian? You need to support big government and support the poor. Mm-hmm. Not understanding that the government was making people poor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's an easy argument to make. Get it? Yeah. It doesn't require heavy indoctrination. When that war died in 1984... When the Soviet Union collapsed and no serious person advocated co- serious person advocated communism anymore. Notice I said serious. I'm not talking about that's why Bernie Sanders is left out of the conversation, right? <laughs> no one would advocate communism anymore because it was so entirely discredited. This fight, 
the Judeo-Christian conservative work ethic versus free sex, free love, everything is relative. The government should define what values are. Even now, explain it to you, you're probably like, huh? Exactly. It's a more complicated argument and a more nuanced argument to make. You have to constantly create new classes of victims because it's hard to make people feel like a victim. Bingo. You're a middle-class kid. You're in college. You got a decent life. Your parents were, were Catholic, Christian, Jewish. They took you to church, whatever it may be. You know, everything's good. All of a sudden, you go to college, and, and you're like, they're like, you're the oppressed victim. You're so oppressed. And you're like, I am? This doesn't happen automatically. It takes a good, solid couple of years, if not four years, to get people to believe this. The colleges provided fertile ground for this. This influx of new students with an influx of new liberals provided fertile ground for training camps for new victims, for a new fight. Those fights were going to be the culture wars. The culture's attacking you. They are. What are you talking about? I lived a great life. No, 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 no. You're a victim. Someone's coming after you. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what happened. Now, combine that with uh in james hunter's uh, so he says higher ed which i just described massive people or numbers of people floating into the higher education system accompanied by liberals floating into the higher education system accompany that with mass prosperity and now you see how the culture wars took hold why mass prosperity that doesn't make sense dan mass prosperity no schumpeter points this out in in some of his more brilliant pieces Joe, when you become as rich as the United States, mm-hmm. the opportunity cost for you to worry about things not critical to your existence is very low. Here's what I mean. What's an opportunity cost? It's the cost of a foregone opportunity. Opportunity cost in economics is a, is a complicated but simple idea. It's because it, it, it can... I'd say it's simple because explaining it's simple, but explaining it in terms of the culture war may be a little difficult, but I'm going to give it my best. Here's what an opportunity cost is. Joe is an experienced sound engineer who is the man with podcasting. I, I recommend him to everyone, Thank right? You. Yeah, I do. You know, that was a guy last week starting his own show. I'm like, call Armacost. He's like, I got Joe's got so much work on his plate. I don't even know if he could you know, handle it anymore. But if you look at Joe in terms of an opportunity cost, if Joe were to leave what he's doing now, where he's compensated all right, does pretty well for himself, mm-hmm. and he were to tomorrow say, I want to be a musician, which he is. Joe is a very talented musician, but let's be honest, Joe, that may take you five or six years to gain foothold if you ever do. No, I'd be a poor musician, yes. You'd be poor. Yeah. Now, it, let's say you make $10,000 a year as a musician playing bowling alleys, like I was just watching Crazy Heart last <laughs> week, right? You play him. Yeah. Now, the liberal views Joe as being better off by $10,000. You made $10,000 a year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The conservative that understands opportunity costs, I'm not giving you Joe's salary. That's for even. Let's just say Joe makes $100,000 a year doing what he does. The conservative understands that Joe is not better off by $10,000. He's worse off by 90. Right. Because the foregone opportunity of Joe doing what he's great at, being an executive producer of a show, mixing, sound cuts, all the stuff he does, Joe lost $100,000 by taking on a job he only gets paid ten. Liberals have a simplistic view of economics. Conservatives don't. Conservatives have a complicated, nuanced view of the world that does not defined easily by a simple, you know, by simple, oh, he's up 10,000. He lost 90,000. He, he, he let an opportunity go that was worth $100,000. This is the problem with mass prosperity. Mm-hmm. The United States is the most prosperous country in the history of humankind, thanks to free markets and a stable government. Relatively stable. When the, the, the cost for people in a country so rich of doing other things that they wouldn't ordinarily do is very low. In other words, if you're living right now in Rwanda, which is not a, 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 a wealthy country, mm-hmm. the cost for you to engage in social activism to give illegal immigrants to Rwanda subsidized higher education is incredibly high. Why? Because you'll die, because you'll starve, because you spend your whole day in social activism and not doing what, Joe? Working and feeding yourself. 
In the wealthiest country on earth, mass prosperity everywhere allows us the time to pay attention to things we ordinarily wouldn't pay attention to. Causes that ordinarily would not wet our whistles. But now it does. So you have these liberals being taught to be victims, flushing into the uh, flushing themselves into the the um, the higher education system, moving in mass into the higher education system, professors moving in mass, liberal professors into the higher education system, teaching people to be victims. And then you now have middle class to upper middle class students who the consequences of paying attention to causes that really are are not very relevant to their lives are low. So they start picking new fights over and over and over again. This would this that's so that mass prosperity, you pay attention to things, I guess is the best way to say it. you wouldn't pay attention to if you were and I'm not suggesting it's a good thing struggling to get by. I'm just saying capitalism, as Schumpeter pointed out, sows the seeds at times of its own destruction. Ah, yeah. Because you have the time and the wealth, your your bellies are full, that you can pay attention to some of these things. Mm-hmm. So the culture wars became a nice fertile ground for people, Joe, looking for a new fight because they didn't have anything else to worry about. I like the way you did that. I bet the audience does too at this point. Yeah. I, I hope so. Yeah, that was pretty simple, uh, Dan. Yeah. Now, I'm going to put, because this is an example of this in the New York Post, yeah. which, uh, please read the show notes today. They're really good. I have some great articles about Spygate, too, and I'm going to get to that in a second in a minute, too. But Second or a minute. Either one in a minute. Uh, University of uh, University of Wisconsin put out some kind of a speech guide. I sh- the story's in the Post today. Put it out. But going to show you how in a world where people are struggling to get by, and not a prosperous world where, again, the consequences for paying attention to minor, some some minor, some are major. I'm not saying all these fights are not worth your time. Let me be clear on that. But these fights clearly aren't. There's a speech guide out, Joe, and we are now told not to use the terms. Get a load of this. There's a ton of them in there. I want you to read it because it's really almost comical. <laughs> Joe, you can't use the word blind spot because that may offend someone who's actually blind. Wait, why? Uh, are you... This is, I'm not making this up. Um, you cannot use the term third world because that could be offensive too. You cannot use the term man up, man up. So don't man up. Uh, that is uh, offensive too. Th- now, th- th- there's a bunch of other ones in there. Um, it, it, the terms you're going to be astonished at some of the terms we are now told are offensive. Again, in a prosperous society, where liberals are constantly looking for new ways to feel victimized because the real fight, the economic fight between communism and uh, capitalism is over. You lost. These are the kind of fights you can engage in in a higher education system where there's almost no penalty to do it. Matter of fact, you're celebrated for finding yourself uh, to be a victim. Yeah. But you need to seek out new ways to be a victim. And you can do that because you have the time to do it because you're not struggling to feed yourself or get a job. Mass prosperity is a good thing. The downside for liberals is they have the time to go out and invent and fabricate new fights every day, like not using the word blind spot. Read the piece in the post. You're going to laugh your butt off. It's important. All right. I want to get to some more word games um, in a second that liberals are playing with us. But today's show also brought to you by our buddies at iTarget. Uh, This product has just been flying off the shelves. Thanks to you, my audience. This is one of our better sponsors out there. Because if you're going to own a firearm, you have to own it uh, responsibly. Everybody knows that. Store it responsibly. You have to learn how to use it. Be proficient with it. One of the best ways to learn how to operate your firearm proficiently, whether you're a sportsman, a hunter, police officer in the military, uh, or just a first-time gun owner who wants to learn how to use it, or uh, someone interested in self-defense, you have to train with that firearm. Now, you can train at the range, and you should. Everybody knows that the range and live fire is a critical component of a training exercise, but you don't have the time to do that every day. I know I don't. I, I went with my father to the range a couple of weeks ago. It's the first time I've been there in a long time. The iTarget Pro system, that's the letter I, by the way, iTarget Pro system, they will teach you how to use this at home by uh, what they call dry fire exercise, how to use your firearm. 
Sorry, I got a bit distracted there for a second. I target processing. Here's how it works. When we were in the Secret Service, they'd say, you know, safely unload your weapon, rack the slide open. We had the SIG 229. Check it, check it twice, check it three times. You want to finger probe that chamber with your pinky, make sure it's empty, right? And you would pull the trigger on a safely unloaded weapon, of course, using the laser rule that wherever that barrel is, it better be in a safe direction because act like there's a laser coming out of it. Well, with the iTarget system, uh, some guy said, it's emitted out of, all right, with the language police on my reads, by the way, every time, gosh, it drives me nuts sometimes. The iTarget Pro system, when you dry fire the weapon, they will send you a laser round. And in that laser round, you will insert into a uh, uh, into your into your firearm now into a safely unloaded firearm will em- will emit a laser from that laser round, and now you know where the round would have gone because they'll send you a target too. It's almost like a video game for the firearm you have now, which will teach you how to defend yourself and use your firearm proficiently. It is a wonderful system. the The reviews I have on the system are just staggeringly good. People love it. They swear by the system. It is so good. The website, itargetpro.com, that's the letter, itargetpro.com, promo code DAN for 10% off, itargetpro.com, that's the letter, itargetpro.com, go check it out. Remember, competitive shooters dry fire 10 times more than they live fire. That's how important this is. Get your sight alignment down, equal light on both sides, level across the top, get your trigger pull down, itargetpro.com, promo code DAN for 10% off. Go check it out. Okay, I did an appearance on... Fox this morning mm-hmm. and um, I was I'm trying to explain in relatively simple terms to folks Joe why the uh, liberals are running away from the term spy and we could get it when the spygate saga of course we're talking about the Obama administration's now obvious spying on the Trump team and the use of a FBI spy asset to probe the Trump team for information and all weekend I knew I had this I do the appearance every Monday morning on Fox and Friends at 6 30 a.m. Eastern time I kept thinking how am I not getting through here because the media is just humiliating and embarrassing themselves pretending to be national security and intelligence people they have no idea what they're talking about they're like we can't call him a spy we got to call him confidential human asset confidential informing this is nonsense here's the reason here's the real reason and Joe if this doesn't make sense stop me because this is important okay a spy Joe a spy is someone outside of an organization inserted in or told to interact with components of a suspect organization Mm -hmm. to probe and take information from it. An informant in my over a decade, matter of fact, 17 years in law enforcement at the state and local level, Mm -hmm. federal and local level, I should say, the NYPD and the Secret Service, excuse me. An informant is someone inside of an organization that informs on the activity of the said organization, likely because there is some corrupt or illegal activity going on. Understand those two, because I'm going to explain something in the difference and why the Pravda media, the hacks in the media, and the Democrats are panicking now over the use of the word spy. I said this on Fox and Friends this morning. Spy. (laughs) Spy. External. It is an external person right. trying to insert themselves in to gather information or spy an informant, someone already on the inside, a Sammy the Bull Gravano type. Yeah. Why now, after having defined that as one being external and one being internal, think this through, folks. Why would the media, the Pravda media, and the Democrats be so panicked about the use of the word spy. <laughs> like we're on Jeopardy. <laughs> Alex, the answer is, what is Obama's involvement? Yes, you would be right. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Double Jeopardy winner. There you go, babe. As Joe would say. <laughs> An informant would connote here that there was some kind of pre-existing illegal activity someone came forward from inside the trump team oh my if it's an informant everybody says okay well that's not bad somebody saw something sniffed something out in the trump team saw this russian involvement and look we were targeting the russians and this person came forward and told us about it and we all want to stop this kind of criminal or spy or uh, russian spying activity right so what's the problem Mm -hmm. 
But that's not what happened, folks. Mm-mm. This guy, Halper, was external to the Trump team. How do we know that? Because he tried to insert himself. If you're inside an organization, you don't email people trying to get inside an organization. How does this not make sense? If I'm part of the the Gambino crime family, the Bananos, or whatever crime family, I don't have to email them. I'm already in. There's a difference. I'm inside. You arrest someone on the inside of an organization, you flip them, and they become an informant. I only did this for 15 plus years. We did it with counterfeiting rings. We did it with credit card fraud rings. Child pornography rings. You arrest someone and you get them to flip on other people. That's an informant. He's already the criminal. There you go. The spy is the external James Bond guy who's working for a government who has to try to insert himself inside. Why are they not using the word spy? Because if he was external, somebody had to insert him inside. Who was that somebody? Someone in the Obama administration. That's why they don't want to use the word spy. Do you understand why they're freaking out? External, internal. Internal informant means there's already pre-existing criminal activity. Someone's ratting them out. And we're all like, well, okay. You know what? We, we don't like rats, but rats taking down bigger rats. All right, we get it. A spy is someone external probing someone for information about an organization that may be doing nothing wrong at all. The very use of the word spy will, will, will in people's heads, will insist that people on the outside were trying to insert people on the inside, and that person on the outside was someone in the Obama administration. And the big question now is that the media is desperately trying to avoid by trying to use the word informant or confidential human source, all this other stuff. The big question they're trying to avoid is what did Obama know and when did he know it? Because if this guy was a spy, external forces pushing him into the Trump orbit, the question is, visualize here, folks, Who is pushing this guy on his back into the Trump team going, go, 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 go inside there, get information. Who's doing it? If he's an informant being pulled out of this corrupt sphere to get information, that doesn't, the imagery is not as bad. Oh, he's just talking about bad stuff already going on. There's nothing wrong with us pulling the information out. But pushing someone in with no credible allegations of criminality at all, pushing someone in says what? That this may have been what I've been telling you from episode 628 on. An operation to frame and entrap the Trump team from the start. Someone pushing on Halper's back. Hey, hey, go in there. Go get stuff. Hey, guys, there's nothing here. Go get it anyway. But there's nothing here. Make something up. That's why they're not using the word spy. And let me just tell you one more thing. I have another article in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Rubio is not one of us, okay? Marco Rubio has completely sold out. I live in this guy's... I'm embarrassed I voted for this guy. Rubio came out over the weekend. There is no evidence there was a spy in the Trump campaign. Are you insane? Is Rubio okay in the head? This guy has become the Democrats' favorite Republican. My guess is he's preparing for a presidential run. And let me tell you something, Marco Rubio. There's no evidence of a spy. Are you blind? Are you, can you be this stupid? Is it even possible? I've lost elections, folks. My wife hates when I bring this up, but well, I, I don't. You know, I, I'm very proud of having fought that fight. We almost won one. We got smoked in a couple more, but we had the guts to give up everything and go for it. And I'm always going to be proud of that. And I'll tell you what I'm also proud of. I never sold out. I ran, as Joe can attest to, in a deeply, deeply blue state. Yeah. In a deep blue district in in uh, Western Maryland and Montgomery County at one point. And I ran on a pro-life, pro-Second Amendment agenda, and I never sold out. I would rather have held to my principles and lost and stand proudly on what I believe in then have one like Rubio and have to to consistently sell out now to people on the left. I am disgusted by this guy. 
He is now going to become the left's favorite new Republican because he cannot acknowledge what is a simple fact. Someone was pushed external to the Trump orbit into it in an effort to entrap and frame Donald Trump. That's why Rubio himself won't use the word spy because he just can't stand Donald Trump. It's embarrassing. Read the article in the show notes from ABC News about Rubio. You'll be disgusted. He is not one of us. Rubio's the new McCain. <laughs> he is. He is. Well said. He is the media's new. It was John McCain. Yeah. He is the media's now new favorite Republican. He's not a Republican I'll anymore. Be. He's a police state sellout. Disgusted by it. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Again, a grateful um Solemn but grateful and respectful Memorial Day, and thank you to, again to all the families out there. And um, I know you know we can't speak directly to those lost souls, but God bless you. And I just want to one quick thing, Joe. I saw a quote by Reagan this weekend, and uh, I, I tweeted it out. And you know, Reagan, Reagan said, "Don't ever forget when these men and women were lost in combat. They were lost to some of them as boys and young ladies. They will never ever get the chance to be revered old men." They will never get the chance to see their kids grow up. They will never get the chance to be respected, honored, older, senior members of society because they were taken as young men and women. They're never going to see some of the glories of life, those sunsets, those purple sunsets we see over Florida. Those are all gone. Not another breath of oxygen. Those men and women did that for you. And on Memorial Day, just take a few minutes and think about that. It's important. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.